Good, good morning. There we are. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a good day. Jesus is on the throne. It's a day of destiny. Um, what are you having for lunch? Curry. You're still saying that. There's free curry after church today, by the way, if you didn't know. Uh, next question to ask the person next to you is, do you want a free book? No, no, I'm not asking you. You say ask the person next to you. Do you want a free book? Who wants a free book? From the inside out, a grace-filled life. Who wants a free book? Don't all. Alice, there you go. Does anyone else want one? No one wants one. There, Matt Tar. Oh, Esteban. I'm, I'm giving it to Esteban. There you go. Um, there are some more of these outside which you can take for free or make a donation if you want. But these two are definitely free. Friends, food, and the gospel. How you can cook food, eat it, and introduce people to Jesus. Come on, who wants that one? There you go, and one at the back. Nick, oh, you guys can fight it out. There's another one outside on the table. So, great. Um, I love what Roy said. Gentleman who came back and said, it's no accident that you're here today. And that's what we believe. Um, My urging to you will be, if you're looking around for churches, decide next week or the week after. You've had time to see good churches. Get stuck in. Um, And if it's not here, God bless you. Find somewhere to flourish pursue Jesus or learn more about him. If it is here, get stuck in and let's honor Jesus together. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the word of God. We are going to have communion if we have time at the end today. So if you haven't had one of these little communion cups, put your hand up and someone from the hospitality team will seamlessly come and get it to you. Okay, You'll notice as they come around, give your arm a rest. They're going to go get them, but at some point someone will come and do that. And let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that You are alive and well, and when we sing no turning back, it's not because we're fighting all our will to turn back. It's because we found the greatest treasure, and there's nothing like it. We're not turning back. That's why we give up our Sunday mornings, not because we have to, but because we love you. And we pray where that's grown dim in our hearts this morning, you'll bring it alive. Where in the past has been our family or our parents or someone else's faith and experience, meet with us today. I pray. Warm our hearts so that the things of the earth, they go strangely dim because we see the beauty of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Uh, my name's Hugh and I'm one of the pastors here and it's a super privilege to be preaching from God's word today. Um, we are in a series called God Is. Can you say God Is? God is. And uh, this is a series um, that really I think is hugely needed in our day. Um, A.W. Tozer He writes this. He says that what you think about God or what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I think he's onto something there. So if you are a Christian, you can have so many different conceptions of what God's like or who he is. What you think about God is vitally important. If you're not a Christian, what you think about God is hugely, hugely important. And we are unpacking what's called the incommunicable attributes of God. These are things that are true only of God and us. So on this table... Apologize, this projector's playing up so you can't see. On a table on the left, you have things that are true only of God. He's infinite. He's self-existent. He's all-knowing. And on and on and on. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. All of those things. On the right are things that God is that we are called to be. I think we'll do a series of that in the future. But in this series, we're just talking to you about God. When was the last time? And of course, it applies to our lives. But I think we can fall into the danger of almost erring to self-help when we preach and it's all about you and how your life can be better if we tell you about God and you follow God your life will be enriched and you'll find fullness of life and particularly now in this day and age 
We need to talk about God. We need our eyes lifted. We need our minds filled. And we need our hearts captured by God afresh. Because we live in what I think of as a thin world. Can you say thin? We live in a thin world. Our society is described as postmodern and pluralistic in its culture. And what this means is that we have lost the grounding for objective truth because we have attempted to find truth either in a changing naturalistic world or in the individual self. If you're taking pictures of these, it'll be on our website. You can download the PowerPoint as well when you're finished. So we now think of truth either from culture or what I think of as truth. So let me ask you this question. I want you to think about it very deliberately for a moment. What is your grounding in life? However you want to think about that question. What are you you grounded on? What's an anchor for your life? What's giving it a sense of meaning or purpose or sense of understanding? Now, our world, it changes all the time. And one of the things about living in a Western culture with good media is we think it's the culture that the whole world should live by. Go live in another culture and you suddenly find, as I did when I moved from Zimbabwe to here, people believe very strongly about things in a very different way. We can get so culturally proud that our way is the way. Now, each culture, I think, has some beautiful things to teach us and tell us. But we now live in this place where truth is a bit liquid, if you like. And we, that is why we can no longer disagree without dismissing each other. Right? I, I, you know, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, and all is broader sense. We can no longer disagree without dismissing, because if you disagree with me, I've made this truth for myself, so you're dismissing me. Right? And if I disagree with you, ooh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm attacking the center of who you are. We no longer know how to hold conviction strongly and humbly, and yet it not be the thing that defines us, because it's our truth. It's not a truth from above. So more than ever before, we need our anchor and our grounding to be weighted in the wonderful, grand truth of who God is and what truth is. I don't know how you answer the question, what is truth? (laughs) Anyone ever asked you that? What is truth? It's something that is true, okay? But then if a person equally thinks that's true of them, how do you you reconcile that? (laughs) We need our hearts caught up with God. And we've been looking at these series and the fact that he is weighty and he's wonderful. We don't want to get into wishy-washy, namby-pamby ideas of what's truth. You need a grounding in life, right? The wind and the waves of life are getting heavier and heavier for us in the comfortable West. We need something that truly grounds us. Those of you who are studying or younger at school, university at school, You are being told a million things every day of what makes you feel important, what you should do with your life, what makes you valued, on and on and on. You need Jesus, no matter how young you are. If you've been around for many, many years, you've probably worked out actually what sustains you through life. But even then, you might not. You need your eyes and your heart and your mind caught up with a sense of who God is. So whether you call yourself a Christian or not, or who believe in him, if God is, surely you need to be thinking about him rightly. And so that's what we're trying to do in, these, in this series. We need the weighty wonder of God to catch our hearts. So today, <laughs> there's a bit of irony in here, maybe I'm the only one who finds it funny. We're looking at God being incomprehensible. Say incomprehensible. Do you get the irony? 
You need to know God and truth about Him, but, but you can't get it, is what I'm basically telling you. So I'm going to tell this morning's sermon is you can't know God. You can't know Him fully, actually. Let's have a look at um, what the word incomprehensible means. So you'll see it on the slide. Okay, so prehendra or something like that means to attain. Okay, and com means to attain fully. So imagine I have this. I've attained it, but now it's fully in my grasp. I won't squash it too much, otherwise wine will come out everywhere. It's fully in my grasp. I have comprehended it, okay? I've taken hold of it. Like imagine a gold coin. I've taken hold of it fully. I can feel every contour and whatever else about it. To incomprehend something is, is not to be able to fully grasp it. It doesn't mean that you can't in any way get it. You can't fully grasp it. So if this was a gold coin, I could comprehend it. I could fully grasp it, as it were, take hold of it in every way. But to incomprehend it would be for me to throw my hand in to a tub of endless gold coins, as you can see beautifully on this slide. Next one. There you go. Incomprehensible. So this, this is really what we're getting at. When we say incomprehensible, we're not saying that God cannot be grasped at all, but he cannot fully be grasped. It's like putting your hand in this endless treasure trove of coins. You grab it, you think you've got it, and then you realize there's more and more treasure. So what I want to do this morning is just to talk about how God is incomprehensible. Why? Paint a picture from Scripture. It's just how Scripture tries to paint it and encourage you to go away thinking God is incomprehensible, but also to look at how he's chosen to make himself known. So the way the Bible attempts to explain the incomprehensibility of God is like this. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Can you say unsearchable? unsearchable. Okay, you can't ultimately find all the extent of great is the, but the psalmist is still saying great, because <laughs> clearly they know God is great. They've comprehended something. But it's unsearchable, His greatness. Job 11, 7-9, one of Job's counselors, they weren't all... Very good. But he says this, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? It's higher than heaven. What can you do? It's deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. It's true. Can you find out the deep things of God? What can you do? It's deeper. It's higher. It's longer. God's ways are just beyond and immeasurable and you will never fully get them. Romans eleven thirty three, verse 36. We read this. Oh, can you say oh? oh. Come on, with a bit more passion. Oh. oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who's been his counselor? Or who has given a lift, uh, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's above and beyond. He transcends. He will capture your heart. When you sing the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, it's because you've been caught up by the riches of the glory of Jesus. And it goes on and on and on, finding out more and more about him. It's deep, it's rich, it's far, it's longer, it's unsearchable, he's unscrutable. What can you do and what can you know? 
no, we can't comprehend that. So what do I do when I leave space now? <laughs> what do you do? Just, I don't know what images or thoughts come to mind when you just think of the bigness of God, getting your head around him. You see, we, we like to measure God so we can decide whether we want to worship him. That's, that's not how it works, because by the time you've done that, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping something you've created. And that's going to disappoint you because they don't live up to what you think it is because God never made that deal with you. Have you ever noticed that? Most of your disappointment in God is because you expect him to do something he never said he would do because you've airbrushed him to be like that and then that disappoints you. And you're like, But that's never who God said he is. We want to comprehend God so we can control God or we can make an objective assessment whether it's worth following God's ways or not because <laughs> will it fit in with my life? Who's the center of that? You, it's not this incomprehensible God. When it comes to God, we bow the knee and say, your way, not my way. And we have a lifetime of searching for him. You see, there's two responses to the incomprehensibility of God, I think. One response is to start with you. Start with me. I know so little. I'm so limited. What can I do? What can I know? What's the point? I can't get it, so forget it. <laughs> and that can lead to pity and or pride. You'd be like, pity, oh, I'm never going to work anything out. You know? And sometimes pity is actually pride masquerading. All the other side is pride. I can't work it out, so it can't be real. Have you ever heard someone say that? I don't understand, it can't be real. You're putting yourself on the throne of all things by saying that. <laughs> so one response is pity and or pride. The other is you start with God. That one starts with you and it's all about you. And the other one starts with God, as we read in Romans. It's He's great. He's beyond. Praise Him. To Him be glory, as it says in that Romans verse, didn't we? We said, oh, the riches of wisdom and knowledge. What, what can you know? God's amazing. To Him be the glory. <laughs> so either like, I can't work this out, so I can't control it. So that's about me. Or, wow, stunning, beautiful, amazing. I don't get it. Can't work it out. Glory. He's above and beyond me. So we can respond, I think, with something of pity or pride. It's an interesting little mix there, isn't it? Usually we pity ourselves because someone thinks lesser of us, which is pride masquerading. Or we just, it's just pride. It's like, I should be God. I can't work this out. I'm not going to surrender my life to a mystery because I don't know what's around the corner. Hey, but God's good. <laughs> Another sermon altogether. Or there's praise. And you know what praise leads to? When you come with praise from a posture of humility, it also leads to pursuit. Because to him be the glory. And you find out more. And you find out more. And you find out more. And you pursue him. This place of praise with a posture of humility leads to pursuit. Pursuit of God. Pursuit of more comprehension, which leads to more praise. More humility, which leads to more pursuit. More discovery, which leads to more praise. And more humility. That's why you meet men and women who have followed Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years. And they're as vibrant. Like Roy and Dorothy, to commend you. They're vibrant. Vibrant. Why? It's not because they worked God out 30 years ago and have just been enjoying that. It's because they met him and found out about him. Pursued him. Found out about him. Realized how much they didn't know. Found out about him. Delighted in him. Found out. Our vision as a church is to lead people to f find and follow Jesus. 
to lead them into fullness of life by helping them find and follow Jesus. Because that's what it is. It's a never-ending treasure hunt. Jen Wilkin puts it like this. She said, God is incomprehensible. This does not mean that he is unknowable, but that he is unable to be fully known. It is the joyful duty. Can you say joyful duty? duty. The delightful task of his children to spend their lives both in this one and the next discovering who he is. God has a closet filled with infinite secrets about him, but it contains only priceless treasures, no skeletons. That's a good word. There's this never-ending beautiful inheritance for Christians to discover more and more of who God in Christ is. Some of us, we give ourselves fully to learning things that are limited in their time and scope and capacity. And our, our minds get blown by science and maths and wonder and arts and creativity. That is but a dim, dim reflection of the glory and the wonder of God. You and I have skeletons in our closets, don't we? Some of you nervously looking at the crowd now. <laughs> I have a word from the Lord. No, I don't. Um, but he, he knows every skeleton in your closet. That the person sitting next to you has no idea about. In fact, you don't even really. It's kind of buried. We all have skeletons in our closet. And when people really get to know us, often fear comes up when someone really loves us because you think, I've got to let you know some things if you're going to truly know me. So we, we often we close down and we stay at a distance because we've all got closets, skeletons in the closets. But God has no skeletons. He is full of infinite beauty and infinite wonder. And as we looked last week, he's all-knowing, so he does know all your skeletons. And yet he loves you the same and sent Christ to die for you the same. You've heard about the honeymoon period, you know, whether it's in marriage or whether it's a housemate. You know, you've moved out of home. Hey, honeymoon period, we, we have our freedom in our house or in a job with colleagues or a new job. We, honeymoon period speaks of this time where we have rose-tinted glasses, where we only see the good things or people only display the good things and everything is wonderful. Have you ever had that in any area of your life? Yeah. The honeymoon period. Maybe having it today with Redeemer and you come week two and you realize these people aren't as nice as there's no food in week two and other, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, there's this thing we call the honeymoon period where we have rose-tinted glasses and everything is great and amazing. Colleagues are patient and kind and understanding. Housemates don't leave things lying around and they do their laundry or do their food or whatever it might be. But then something changes. And reality comes, doesn't it? The person's not as patient when you're not on a beach on honeymoon. The person's not as kind when you're late for work again, or they don't pitch up on time. And you start to get the disillusionment, and you start to get disappointment. That's how human relationships work. We put on a facade. It's quite nice. We know how to do that. But over time, you get to know the real person. And people change, don't they? Don't know, people change. I mean, I've been married. One of the most mysterious things about marriage is the person I'm married to now is not the person I married 10 years ago because they've grown up, they've changed, they've matured. Guess what? I have too. And there's some glorious things about that, but I'm sure my wife would say there are some things that are 
slightly more <laughs> um, to deal with. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? But with God, it's like reverse honeymoon. It's great. And the more you find out about him, the better it is. There's no disappointment. I mean, there's some challenges because he's God and you're not. And you get to know him. But it just gets, it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. And what you think you knew. So when I look back, I was a Christian 10 years ago. No doubt about it. But man, I had no idea of the depth of God's grace and kindness and patience 10 years ago. And that's one of the beautiful things about trials. Some things you only learn when life is tough. When I look back now, I would never choose any trials. But man, there's some things I learned about God that I don't think I would have learned if life was cozy all the time. I learned he's real. <laughs> I learned he can sustain me at night when you're not sleeping and when fear or intimidation gets you. I learned that there's a hope to come and when life is rotten, there's a world coming where there's no sickness, no crying, no mourning. Things, ease of life teaches you some beautiful things about God. But the weight of life sometimes teaches you some stunning things about God. He is incomprehensible, but it gets better and better. His ways are higher. Have you heard that fridge magnet verse? You know, when something goes, I've shared this a few times recently, when something goes hard in life, we say, I don't understand, God's ways are higher than mine. Has anyone actually got a fridge magnet that's, that, that says something like that? Or God's ways are mysterious beyond us and we can't comprehend them. What we're generally saying is, I know God's real, but this is really tough, and I don't understand why God's let me suffer. His ways are higher than mine. Usually it's in the context of life being difficult and a bit of suffering. Yeah, and this actually comes from Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 9, where we read this, well, from verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Anyone heard that in some manner before? To say that God's mysterious and you can't really get in. Yeah? Actually, what the context of this is, is it's stunning and it's something I'm only learning in the last year, really. This is the context. Verse 6, 7 tells us what to do. And then the verses we've just read are the why. Why we do the what. So let's go to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, do that today. What? One thing I hope you never get the chance of saying about Redeemer is you don't ever walk out the door without hearing about Jesus and having the opportunity to give your life to him because everything else is secondary to that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Enjoy your curry today, but think on Jesus. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Roy, Roy's word had something to do with that. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Okay? So that's what you've got to do. You've got to return to God from your wickedness, from your rebellion, so that he can forgive you and abundantly pardon you. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And just in case you didn't quite get how amazing that is, these next verses then come. For, do that because, because of this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your ways. Come to God for mercy and compassion because you have no idea how much He has for you. His ways are high. No matter how merciful you think you are, no matter how pardoned you think you are, His ways are higher. He's got a deeper well of pardon and mercy and grace for you today than you could imagine. That's the context of those verses. His ways are, you, you have no idea of God's mercy, His compassion and His grace for you. We cannot comprehend how gracious and merciful He is. This is but one taste of what it is when Jen Wilkins says the joyful duty, delightful task of their children is to spend their lives both in this one and the next discovering who God is. I don't know what kind of church you grew in, if you grew up in a church or whatever it might be. Maybe it was hellfire and brimstone. Maybe it was what you do doesn't matter. What you do matters. But in Christ, if you make him Lord and cry out for mercy, there is grace and abundant pardon. God's ways are higher than you can imagine. No matter what you did the moment you walked into church or what wicked thoughts you're having, even this moment you cry out to God for mercy, you will be surprised. This is not, doesn't matter. It's not brimstone, holy God, it matters. But there's mercy that you don't understand when you say Jesus took all that filth, all that wickedness. And I just get to say, I'm with him. I'm with him. You get to the gates of heaven. Not that that happens. You get to say, I'm with him. Why are you here? I'm with him. What, what good have you done? And what are you talking about? I'm with him. There's abundant mercy and there's abundant grace. His incomprehensibility is an invitation to treasure seeking. Scripture puts it this way. Colossians 1 verses 8 to 10. And so from the day we heard Paul writing, praying for them, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a good, if you don't know what to pray, pray scripture. Open this up every day and say, God, help me to be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Help me to increase in the knowledge of God. There's a promise that you can do this. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly everything we see in a mirror dimly. But then there'll be a day when we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully as I've been known. There's wonder in this life to learn of Jesus, isn't there? But there's a day coming when we'll get to see him and all his stunning grace and mercy and to be fully known and yet fully loved. We all fear being fully known because we think then someone won't truly love us. With God, it's that he fully knows us and truly loves us. There's a depth to it that's beautiful. Finding and following Jesus into fullness of life is about getting to know him more and more and discovering at each step there is more and more beauty and glory, weight and wonder. And all of this is made possible because God has chosen to make himself known. There would be no comprehending God if he hadn't first chosen to make himself known to you. And this, this comes to the heart of so much difficulty that we have in Christianity is we think we've found God and we've worked him out. 
and we add him into our lives. It's got, no, no. He found you. He made himself known to you. He's the Lord of your life. <laughs> and you fit into his life. That's where you find abundance and joy. But it's also sobering. It's stunning and sobering that he's made himself known. The sobering bit is that God has made himself sufficiently known so that every man and woman ever to have lived has had enough opportunity to know God and call on him for grace and mercy. That's the sobering bit. In his mercy, he's made himself known so that you and I and everyone has the opportunity in a myriad of ways to call on him. It says this in Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I don't want God harden our hearts prior. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, we've, we've all have an opportunity to know God. We? And yet we choose to know, I don't want that. Harden our hearts. No, I don't want that. And we darken our hearts. And eventually God gives us what we want, which is not him. That's the sobering reality of the fact that God has made himself known. We talked about two responses earlier, pride or praise. That's what pride does. Pride says, I don't want that. Your conscience is pricked. You just know. Any sense of justice in the world, where does it come from? It didn't just go, Poof. it comes from God put it in you. And you just, you know these things. So that's the sobering reality. But then there is this beautiful other side that God has made himself known that you and I can walk out today without any doubt of our eternal hope and our future and have all our sins forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Glory. It's stunning. So as we come to an end, John chapter 1, verse 14 and 18. I wonder if the band would like to come up, please. It says this in John chapter 1. 14, 18. The word, speaking about Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has revealed him, has revealed God. You and I can know God because he chose to come down, take on limited human flesh and demonstrate who God is was John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you have eternal life? Are you absolutely assured of that? Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, let's have some more. Are you assured of that? Yeah. If you are not, you can have it today because it's got nothing to do with you other than you calling on Christ. Doesn't know how good you were last week. That's, it's about you trusting in Jesus. And saying, I believe him. Will you do that today? A couple more verses. So my appeal to you as we finish, as we're going to have communion, is seek the Lord while he may be found. And he can be found today. No matter how young you are, if you're sitting there thinking, all you need to know is this. Invite Jesus to come and help you in this moment. And say to him, I want to live your way, not mine. And if you mean that in your heart, 
Everything can change. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. John 3.16, you know it well. For God so loved the world that being unknowable, he chose to make himself known by giving his only son. That whoever believes in him and can see the love and the sacrifice that he is willing to make by giving up his only son should not perish, but have eternal life. God made known in Christ, his love made known in sacrifice. Let's bow our heads. If you're a Christian, we're going to share communion together in a few moments. If you're not a Christian, please don't join in, but this could be an opportunity for you to, for the first time, say, I'm taking this as a proclamation of making Christ my Lord. But before we get there, if you're a Christian and you need to come, you need to return to the Lord or there's areas of your heart where you think, I need abundant grace. It might be overt sin. It might be subtle unbelief. It might be this little hidden area of your life where you're just saying no to God. No God. No God. His ways are higher than you could imagine. What you fear on the other side of saying no to that, His ways are higher. You can't imagine how He will solve the mystery and fulfill your heart. Just... We need to learn to confess and repent. So just in your own way, say, sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. And if you're not sure, if you're, just, if you're shocked by the, or delighted by the fact you've got a clean slate and you've been doing this <laughs> with Christ, you, how, ask him to help you. Just say, Lord, soften my heart. Save me from hardening it, from prides, from deceiving myself. I need even your mercy to repent, Lord. So as we break this wafer, you might want to get it ready. As we break this wafer, we're remembering Jesus, your body broken for us. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of him. We, we are remembering tangibly God made known in Jesus. His love made known in sacrifice. And Lord, as we take this, we look at our lives and we say, forgive us our sin. We fall short but we receive mercy, God, today. As we drink this wine, as the blood of Christ was shed, his blood shedding was uh, a demonstration that he died. And as a Christian, you've died in him. That old person's dead. Do you know that? You can be a brand new person today if you trust in Jesus. I'm no longer Hugh Pierce. That person's no longer. He died years ago. I'm Hugh Pierce in Christ. It's a whole new identity. It's a different passport. It's a different life. The old is gone. The new has come. Anyone need that moment by moment, but once for all? If that's you, say, Jesus, make me new. I make you king today. Lord, we remember you. We honor you. wonder if you'll stand with me. Sometimes I lead people in a prayer now for those who wouldn't call themselves Christians. But if you're not a Christian, I want you to come and find me today. That 
just little boldness of coming to find me will help you the rest of your journey. I don't know if there's uh, someone in the room called Gordon. Is there a Gordon or a last name Gordon? He's praying this morning. If there is a Gordon, I'm going to share this anyway. Maybe someone watched the recording in time. I felt God say this to you. You've been feeling an unraveling. There's been an unraveling going on. And I believe God would say to you, he's untangling so that he can bring freedom and life to you. And that word unraveling is particularly important for you. And the Lord just says he's pinpointing you today so that he can share mercy with you. Lord, we come to you to worship now. And we say we want to go on a treasure hunt, Lord. <laughs> we, want to, we can't wait to get into your word tomorrow or later today. We can't wait to speak about you with friends over food. We can't wait to gather together. We can't wait to share you with others as we discover more and more of you. I wonder, the worship team are going to serve us, but we need to grow as a church and not relying on these guys, okay? So let's just begin to ask God. Just invite Him, begin to speak where you are now. Be still, hear from God. Start to sing out. Start to say, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, show me the knowledge of God. I'll pray you can just say yes and amen to that for a moment and then the team will serve us. But we're not, these guys are blessing us. We're worshiping directly to Jesus. Lord, we love you. We want to know you. Lord, we don't want to attend church. We want to meet Jesus. Lord, we want to be the church. Open the eyes of my heart to know the depth and the height and the breadth of your love for me. I need revelation, God. I'm convinced, but I need life. Help me. Lord, all the days of my life, tomorrow would it be richer and sweeter and deeper than I could ever have imagined. Fullness of life, abundant life. Lord, show us, we pray. We need help. Holy Spirit, come fill our hearts. Fill my heart, Holy Spirit. Now, pray for living waters to flood my soul. I can't work this out myself. It needs to be divine revelation. Come and win me, Lord. Come and win my heart afresh. The things of the earth would go strangely dim. Knowing you, Jesus, <laughs> there is no greater thing. Let's sing it together. <laughs>